Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast to help us weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, so thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Uh, today we're in Season 2, Episode 13, and we are coming down the home stretch. We have this episode and one more, and we will conclude Season 2. And so uh, I'm very thankful for all of you who have been listening this season. I hope that this podcast has encouraged you in some way and has helped you in some way to weather the storm. Today we're going to examine the topic, weathering the storm by fighting. And this is a topic that I'm excited about exploring today. And if you have your Bibles with you and you're listening and you're in a place where you can open it, we invite you to 1 Timothy chapter 6 as we examine verse 12 today. This season I've been privileged to have several guests on my show. And today I have a very special guest with me. His name is Jonathan Jenkins. At this time, I'm going to turn things over to him, let him introduce himself uh, to you. Uh, thank you, Drew. And it's a pleasure, it's a joy to be able to uh, join you today on the podcast. It has been an awesome journey for the past four years. Uh, really and truly, I can't say enough about how thankful I am for our friendship. You know, um, uh, to those who are listening, Drew is actually the, the person that taught me the gospel and uh, I'm forever thankful of that. He went to Memphis School of Preaching 30 days later after he baptized me and my wife, and I followed him up a year later. So uh, <laughs> yes, here sir. we are. Here we are as preachers in the faith. So yes, sir. It's, uh, it, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm thankful, like I said, for the opportunity. But uh, just to tell you a little bit about me, I, I preach out at North Arkansas Street Church of Christ in Spring Hill, Louisiana. That's in, if, uh, that's in the top of the boot. You know, uh, they're by the Arkansas, Arkansas border. Um, we're, you know, we're right there on the line and it's a good little community, small community, about 4,000 people in the whole town. And, uh, it's, it's been a great work. I'm there with my wife, Heather, and my two boys, Carson, he's six years old and Parker, who is four. Wow. Um, they are, uh, they're, it's been, it's been good. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Well, and, and just to reiterate to our audience, the relationship we have, Jonathan and I met at a tire factory. I believe it was night shift. I think you're working overtime. Uh, we just kind of had our forklifts there. and We got to talking, and we talked for like 30 minutes. <laughs> Probably got in trouble for it. Uh, but after talking and getting to know each other, the topic of religion kind of came up, and that led to us going home and, and grabbing our Bibles and kind of digging for it a little bit. And – we started taking our lunch breaks together and whatever else and spending time studying the Bible. And this went on for over a year, about a year and a half. And as John, Jonathan mentioned, he and his wife, Heather, uh, with, with their good hearts, when they responded to the truth, they uh, came forward on a Wednesday night. I was privileged to baptize both of them into Christ. And as Jonathan said, just a few days later, <laughs> we took off to Memphis. And then after my first year, Jonathan called and said, hey, I'm coming too. Uh, so, man, it, I was so glad we got to spend a year together at Memphis. And now, you know, both of us able to preach. And every time I tell somebody, you know, our story and everything that happened, I say, only God can do this. This, this is the power of the gospel. And it can transform your life. It can change everything. And so it's just amazing. It's kind of come full circle for us. Uh, and here we are a couple of years later on a podcast together. <laughs> going through the Word of God together. So, Jonathan, I appreciate you being on today, brother. Man, absolutely. I'm thankful for the opportunity. 
As I mentioned a few moments ago, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and the verse that we want to discuss today is verse 12. Paul is writing to Timothy, his own son in the faith. He wants to encourage him and strengthen him. And he says this, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Jonathan, what I like to do on this podcast is for our listeners uh, is to look at the overall context of what's going on. Uh, We never, as Bible students, we never want to grab a a verse and lift it out of its context. We never want to be guilty of saying, well, this is uh, this verse, we're going to set it over to the side and just dismiss everything around it. So that being said, what's going on in first Timothy chapter six. In fact, uh, what's going on in this entire book? Well, he, uh, Timothy, you know, Paul, Timothy was helping Paul uh, in the efforts of building churches and, and that sort of thing. So he was his, he was a disciple for Christ and working for him. Paul writes in this letter and he tells him, uh, first and foremost, you know, how to do those things. The, the, the way he begins the letter, he says, uh, you know, beware of those false teachers. He gives a warning against false teachers there in, first, in, in chapter one. And uh, then he goes on to talk about, you know, how we are to pray for everybody. And then he goes and talks about the qualifications for uh, overseers and deacons. And he gives them the instruction, you know, he kind of gives them the blueprints of how to, how to make the church work right. uh, where Timothy was working. But then uh, what, what I found interesting is after all of this and after all of this instruction here in chapter six, when we come back to chapter six, he ends the letter, the first letter that he wrote to Timothy, the same way that he began it. Right. And, uh, in the first part of chapter six, he starts talking about from verses two through 10. Again, we see a warning against the false teachers and um, that contention that was against the church. But then, like I said there in, in, in verse 12, he brings it back to, you know, fighting that good fight of right. faith. So, Absolutely. And like you said, it's, it's, it's almost, if we wanted to, we could say there's a twofold purpose, right? It's Paul wants to encourage Timothy uh, but he also wants him to guard against the spread of false doctrine, as you just said. So it's interesting yeah. that he characterizes it as a fight. You, you mentioned something that triggered a thought. He begins and ends with the same way. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. And so when <laughs> we get to 1 Timothy 6, Paul's already used this language about this battle or this fight, this war. So by the time you get to the end of this letter, Timothy is already thinking about this. He's been reminded of it. And now Paul is really encouraging him, you make sure you fight and you keep fighting this good fight of faith. As we think about this text, we want to stop and just talk about this word fight for a moment because this isn't talking about a a physical combat, but rather something different. So, Jonathan, what does – the word fight mean in a spiritual context? Well, the first thing I see when I, when I hear, or the first thing I think about when I hear the word fight is that there's first and foremost, there's an opponent. Yeah. And so we're up against something. There's going to be something that uh, he's telling Timothy to fight against, to oppose. And so, yeah, I mean, to fight is, you know, just in context, to stand against something. That's right. And Well, I, I guess the definition would be to take part in a, a violent struggle, yeah, you know, against, right. against an opponent. Yeah. 
That's it. It's it's a struggle. It's there's somebody that's opposing you. Uh, in this context specifically, they're they're opposing the truth, right? All these false teachers, this false doctrine, and so he says, "Fight the good fight of faith." I find it pretty interesting. The word "fight" in the Greek language is agonizomai. Do you hear in that agonize or agony? It's the same word found in Luke thirteen twenty four, when Jesus said to strive to enter the straight gate. That's a parallel passage to Matthew seven thirteen and fourteen. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? It's it's a struggle. It's it's something that you're fighting against. Uh, but that's that characterizes the Christian life. It's a fight. It's we're we're going to battle every single day. And of course, our adversary, the devil, First Peter five eight. He's roaming about like a roaring lion. He, he's coming at us every day, so we can't afford to take a day off. We have to make sure we keep fighting the good fight. But as we think about this the spiritual fight, Paul says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but spiritual, 2 Corinthians 10.4. You look throughout uh, other passages of Scripture that mention this idea of fighting. In Exodus 14 and verse 14, I know, Jonathan, this is one of your favorite verses too, thinking about Moses and that whole scene. And he said, to be still, the Lord your God will fight for you. Well, the word fight there means to provide. You know, God was going to provide a way for his people uh, to escape Egyptian bondage. We also That's think right. about the word fight being strive. I mentioned that in Luke 13, but Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, which I'm sure we'll get to later in this study, when Paul said, I have fought the good fight. Uh, here's this idea of I've been striving. I've been pushing I've been exerting maximum effort, striving because of this great prize that's before me. What other thoughts right. do you have there with this this idea of fighting? Well, when you brought up Moses, you know, talking about Exodus 14, I'm reminded of Exodus 4 when God calls Moses. His first, uh, you know, the, the first thing we see Moses doing is continuing to make excuse after excuse yeah, about why right. he can't do what God's called him to do. And then what God does is he says, I've put the words in your mouth. Yeah. And I you know, he just told him, he said, you go, go. That's our ultimate um, responsibility as Christians is to go and uh, forward. That's it. You know, just like forward into battle. We have the responsibility of just going forward, but we have a promise that he's going to be with us. Uh, just like in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he told him, this is what I want you to do. But remember, lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Absolutely. And so we have that comfort. Uh, of knowing that he's on our side, that we're not fighting alone, that right. we're fighting with him. Uh, but yeah, strive because there's a responsibility. Paul even told uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord so that your work's not found in vain. Right. Uh, there's a responsibility that we continue steadfast, that uh, that we push. But those weapons you know, like, like you said that were mentioned there in the first part of Timothy, that warfare, and then he brings it back also in uh, chapter 6, talking about how we are to fight. There's going to be weapons that we use, and those weapons, uh, they were given <clears throat> given to us, we can read in the book of Ephesians, Absolutely. chapter 6, the whole armor of God. That's right. um, he gave us those weapons that we are to, to use in battle. And he did this so that we could stand against the tricks of the devil. That's right. Uh, that's, you know, that in and of itself, just being able to fight and knowing that we have the weapons, first of all, that have been provided, mm -hmm. uh, but also the confidence that we have because God is on our side while doing it. Um, we should, just like Timothy, 
go in headstrong with those words of encouragement. Like you said, Paul was encouraging Timothy mm-hmm. with those words of encouragement. We should be able to push strive, mm-hmm. and under while understanding that we have everything that we've, that God's given us with the weapons that we have to fight against the enemy. Plus the confidence we have with him on our, you know, him with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. He equips us for the fight, but he doesn't leave us on the battlefield. He's right there with us. Think about uh, David and Goliath. The battle belongs to the Lord. Uh, that's, mm. that's what we need to remember as we think about fighting. And, and really, as, as we think about this topic, weathering the storm, uh, you know, we face all kinds of storms in life, but it, that definition you just gave, I think, might help our listeners. Keep moving forward. You, you might be battling the storm of financial crisis. You might be battling the storm. This pandemic may have uh, hit you and your family, your loved ones, in a way that, that hasn't hit others. Uh, it, it could be the loss of a loved one. It could be temptation that keeps coming. You just seem to not be able to get a grasp. Think about this idea of fighting, this idea of keep moving forward. As Brother Jonathan just said, you're going to be equipped for this, but also remember that God's not going to leave you by yourself. You can weather the storm by fighting because God is right there with you. and He's the one who enables us to keep pushing forward. As we think about this, this idea of fighting, it's interesting and it's really important that Paul doesn't tell Timothy just to fight any kind of fight. I think it was Brother Bland that told us just because you're invited to a fight doesn't mean you have to go. I try to remember, <laughs> you know, uh, think about that on social media, for example. If we're not careful, we'll get caught up in, in, in something that won't be good. But here, Paul specifies, he doesn't just say fight, but fight the good fight of faith. And so, Jonathan, what, what is that phrase, the good fight of faith? What does that mean? Well, I, I think, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before, but Jude 3 yeah. kind of tells us exactly, you know, what that fight is. It's an earnest contention, mm-hmm. earnestly contend for the faith. You know, it was more needful for Jude to write to the Christians there that they earnestly contend. And the reason is, if you keep reading there in verse 4, it says that ungodly men had come in and uh, distorted that, that God had, you know, was trying to, to do right. It said that they had turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they were, they were, trying to have their cake and eat it too. They were continuing to sin saying, well, God's grace will cover it. Uh, That's not what we're to do. We're to earnestly contend. We're to keep away from that lifestyle that we once lived, that, that sinful way of living and and try to strive to enter into that straight gate, you know, that Matthew seven talks about. No doubt. You earnestly contend that you fight, you strive. What makes it so good? What makes it the good fight of faith as opposed to a bad fight? Well, it's a good fight because what are you contending for? What are you earnestly contending for? What are you defending? You're defending the truth, right? You're defending, you know, what God has revealed. And we know the Bible teaches that God's word is truth, John 17, 17. The sum of thy word is truth, not some of it, but the sum of it. Uh, you put it all together. This is all God breathed, 2 Timothy three sixteen. This is... What we as Christians need to defend, we need to know this book and we need to make sure that it, it comes into our lives and transforms us. I think it was Mike Vessel that said, Satan doesn't mind how much time we spend in the book so long as the book doesn't get into us. And I think that's hmm. something to remember. 
uh, if we're going to fight this good fight of faith, we need to make sure that we know what God has revealed in his word and not just know it, but apply it to our lives and take it with us into the world. Because man, you look at 2020 right now, we're up against the fight. You look at the moral decline, you look at just the racial tension that's going on, the political unrest, we got to be ready to fight. And it's not that we are uh, this idea that we're going and looking for every opportunity to, uh, to, to go down some path, but rather we're going to know the truth, we're going to apply it to our lives, and we're going we're gonna to keep moving forward. And I think for Timothy, he had false teachers coming at him left and right. He was, relatively speaking to Paul, maybe a younger individual. Uh, he had a lot of responsibilities. He needed to be encouraged. And I think we need that encouragement today as well, to keep fighting, not, not just any fight, fight the good fight of faith. That's right. I, I think about, you know, just having the struggle of constantly knowing that I've got to be, I've got to present myself in this fashion. Uh, but it's not for my sake, it's for the Lord's sake, you know, and that's what we need to remember. It's um, ultimately, yes, of course, when we, uh, when we endure to the end, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be rewarded for it. But mm -hmm. we have to make sure that we are representing Christ. Uh, just as Romans 12 says, we lay it out, we lay down our lives as that living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we do it in a fashion that's holy and acceptable uh, because we've chosen, first of all, that the fight that we're going to fight from now on, if we are Christians, is not one that is a physical fight, but as a spiritual fight. And it's mm -hmm. against uh, principalities and powers and, and all of these, you know, all of these different things, spiritual that we're up against all of this wickedness that we have to withstand. We have to make sure um, that when we do it, uh, you have it written here. How do we lay hold on it on eternal life? Mm -hmm. We do that by, you know, making sure that our treasure is in heaven and not Absolutely. on the world. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, you mentioned something too in Jude three that, it was, it was needful for him to write that because this was so important. You think yeah. about this, this fight, it's so important. It should be something that keeps us going every single day. And what you just mentioned, that next phrase, is where we kind of want to keep going in the study. This phrase, lay hold on eternal life. And so connected with fighting the good fight of faith is our focus on eternal life. And you mentioned laying up treasures in heaven. That's exactly – the, where my mind went to, Matthew 6, 19 to 21. That's what Jesus said. That great sermon on the mount. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't fight these worldly fights. Don't get so uh, engrossed with the things of this world. Don't, don't worry about that. You need to make sure you're fighting the good fight of faith. Make sure you're laying up treasures in heaven. And then Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I think that's true with the fight too, you know? Uh, yeah, that's the one thing, you know, the one thing the rich young ruler lacked. Uh, he was so tied to his possessions that Jesus said, you've got to sacrifice. And, and following after me is not going to be something that you, you can come along with everything that you bring. You can't bring everything that you have along with you. He said, you know, he, what did he tell the disciples to take up your cross and follow me? That instrument of death, it's a fight. 
Um, right. It's a serious fight. You know, he's telling us to lay down our lives for him. And so as Christians, when we strive every day to be the best that we can be in this world that's wicked, we need to remember not to walk, you know, not to be like that rich young ruler uh, that he was, you know, he was just kind of, he was too tied to those things that he had earned in this world. Mm -hmm. That's not what's going to matter. All that's going to amount to nothing. If we stand before Jesus or if we stand before God void of the one thing that can save us. That's right. Well, and and you also make a good point there is if you're laying hold on things of this, this world, you won't have a strong enough grip to lay hold on eternal life. I think that phrase is interesting. Uh, lay hold on it. You think about the great links that God, the Godhead has, has gone to for us to be able to obtain salvation. Uh, we can obtain salvation that is in Christ. We know that, that God the Father designed the, the beautiful plan. This is true with creation. This is true with the Lord's church. This is true with salvation. God the Father designed the plan. God the Son executed the plan. God the Holy Spirit organized the plan. It guided the apostles into all truth, John 16, 13. And so all that God, the Godhead has gone to, the great extent the Godhead has gone to for us, eternal life is right there. We just have to lay hold on. That's right. You think about what Jesus did for us on the cross. He, he, he paid the price we could never pay. What does God say to do? Come and take it. Whoever's thirsty, let him come and drink freely the waters of life. Revelation twenty two seventeen. Jesus said, come unto me, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and following. It, salvation is there for the taking. We have to lay hold on it. And I think right. it's connected here with this good fight. It, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to go to heaven, we have to be willing, like you said, to let everything else go, forsake all that we have and follow Jesus. We have to be enlisted in the Lord's army through obedience to the gospel. And upon coming out of that watery grave, we're in a fight. We're in a struggle till we draw our last breath. But if we're yeah. willing to fight the good fight and stay faithful, we'll receive a crown of life. It'll be worth it. That's how we lay hold on eternal life. And I believe Paul is emphasizing that to Timothy. You keep moving forward. You keep fighting the good fight. And that's how you can lay hold on eternal life. Yeah, the, the wording there you said uh, it was interesting. You talked about laying hold. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, that, that gives the idea of grabbing a hold of it and not letting go. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at Absolutely. the Hebrew writer in chapter two, he says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Yeah. Uh, that would be the, that would be the opposite of uh, laying hold was be to let go. Absolutely. And so that, that's where he tells them, he told them, hold on to what you have, lay hold, you know, grab a hold of that, that God's given you uh, in, in the form of salvation and yeah. oh, be obedient to what, let that be your driving factor. I mean, that's what, well, what are we doing this for? You know, yeah, we ask right. what are we doing this for, you know, it's, it's for that home, that home in heaven, that eternal life. Absolutely. And it's connected to the good fight of faith. There's no doubt it's connected to the fight. And if we cease to fight or if we abandon the fight, we can lose our salvation. We're in danger of losing it if we don't maintain the fight. So I think this is extremely important because of all that's said in the religious world about, hey, once you have your salvation, nothing you can do to lose it. Wait a minute. If that's the case, why does Paul tell Timothy, you lay hold on eternal life? If you don't lay hold on it, if you don't grasp it and keep grasping it, you can lose it. 
And so we have to maintain our cause, maintain the fight. That's how we can lay hold on eternal life. Again, that, that God has given freely to those who are willing to obey and to submit to what he has revealed in his word. Jonathan, as we keep moving forward here, there's a phrase that's connected to fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. And it says, to which you were also called. You know, we think about this word called in the religious world, and there's a lot of different ideas about this calling. (laughs) But maybe just comment for a moment on how we are called to eternal life. Is this a miraculous calling? Is this a small, still voice? What what is what is Paul saying here? Uh, the church, ecclesia, uh, the Greek word for the church is the called out. That's right. So those who those who are called out, uh, that would that would imply those who are called out by what though by the gospel. That's right. Um, so you know those who have been obedient, they're the ones who have been called. Uh, we we use that term loosely. I had a conversation with a fellow in the parking lot at Walmart the other day, <laughs> and uh, he said, "Well, you know, you don't have to go to school if you're called." Uh, I told him I was a preaching I was a preaching school for two years, and then mm-hmm. he said, "You don't have to go to school if you're called." And, and and I told him I said, "Well, brother, I said, you know, we're, those who are obedient to the gospel are called, and they also understand the." importance of studying to show yourself approved unto God. So that's why we go to schools to show ourselves approved that we might be, you know, equipped for the yep. battle. That's right. Well, and, and you mentioned that and I, and I want to say, reemphasize that to our listeners. We are all called by the gospel. Second Thessalonians two yep. fourteen called you by our gospel. Uh, this, this calling is not something miraculous. It's not, uh, like you just mentioned, you know, that, that fellow said to you, it's not this, hey, I, I got this calling. You know, when I decided to go to, to, to preaching school, it was because the burning fire that came about from being able to obey the gospel myself, but also to share that with someone else and to see someone respond to the gospel. It wasn't anything miraculous. It wasn't anything like that. And we have to be so careful when we think about how words and terms and phrases are used in scripture, not to take them out of their context of what's being said. What, what is this word called going back to? Well, it's going back to lay hold on eternal life. Paul says, lay hold on eternal life to which, to which you were also called. You were called unto eternal life. How? Through and by the gospel. Through that obedience to the gospel, you receive all the blessings that are found in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. When you get into Christ, you don't just kind of sneak in there. You know, I've heard people say, well, if I go to heaven, I just want a little house on the corner. No, 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 no. It's not how it works. <laughs> if you're in Christ, you get all of it, right? All spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1, 3. You get everything that comes with that. And so when you are called to eternal life, that means, listen, you come and you obey this precious gospel. Not only will you have the forgiveness of your sins, but now you're going to be in fellowship with God. And if you keep on walking in the light, you'll have a crown of life and you'll be with God forever. That, that's what this is talking about. And I, so it's, it's important to make that connection to say, listen, you were called to lay hold on eternal life. I think about uh, Ephesians 4.1. What worthy of the calling? What calling? <laughs> the fact that you're a child of God. You, you have a responsibility to live your life uh, a certain way. You mentioned Romans 12.1 and 2 as a living sacrifice. 
but also Philippians 3, 14 and follow. Remember Paul said, I press toward the mark for the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. It, it, it transforms us. It makes us to seek higher ground and live in a different way because of who we are, because we're Christians. And so I think it's, it's extremely important to think about this idea that we were called to lay home eternal life. But, Jonathan, I, I want to throw this at you, too. Think back to the first part of this verse and see if this doesn't apply. Not only are we called to lay home eternal life, but as Christians, we're called to fight the good fight of faith. I believe both apply to being called. Amen. Because if you're a Christian and you're in the Lord's army, and there's a battle going on. What does that mean for us? Well, we got to step up and, and fight. That's we right. can't be a child of God and not be in the thick of the fight. Whose side <laughs> are we on? <laughs> you know, there's there's training and there's responsibility. Uh, and ask any soldier, anybody that's in the military, will tell you that there's protocol that yep. they have to follow, and that that's even on the battlefield. Uh, in everyday life, but that's even on the battlefield. So yep. we have to, you know. We have to understand that as Christians, we have a protocol in everyday life, but also in battle. And we can't, uh, we can't make the mistake of forgetting what God's given us. Uh, like right. you said, we get all those spiritual blessings and we have all of this. We have been equipped. Uh, yeah, Hebrews wow. chapter four and verse 12 says that the word of God, that that we've been given is sharper than any two edged sword. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, when we think about a soldier, especially one that might have been depicted in the first century, they would have been carrying a sword. Well, this word that we have that, that is given to us by God is sharper than that sword that the soldier carries. No doubt. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So we have a responsibility to know how to use that sword, to know how to effectively come out on the winning side in battle. You know, we that expectation, you know, live faithfully unto death and you will receive that crown. There's an expectation that we have to follow to be able to get that reward. Absolutely. And I think that, that, that summarizes what Paul is saying here about you were called to it. Yeah. Call. You're called, you're called to this fight. <laughs> it's a call to battle. It's a call to, uh, through the gospel, you know, through what God has revealed in his word, a call to come and lay on eternal life. Jesus said, I've come to, that you may live abundantly, John 10, 10. Well, what do we need to do? Come take it. Come respond. Come meet the conditions that God has set forth, uh, and you can have these things. And so, But it, it requires that we fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called. As we continue, Jonathan, in this text, this next phrase, he says, and you have confessed the good confession and the presence of many witnesses. What exactly is he talking about here? Um, I would say the good confession that we all make uh, when we become Christians. Yeah. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, that is the confession that we are going to, you know, that, that, that's what helps us get into Christ. And if we make that confession on a daily basis, uh, I stress when I preach a lot of times that this Christian walk is a daily decision that we make. We wake up in the morning and we decide by the time we put our feet on the floor, who we're going to serve. Are we going to serve the Lord that day? Or are we going to serve the world that day? Mm -hmm. And that confession is made daily. Yeah. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And upon that confession, I live this life that I'm supposed to do. Upon that confession, I 
choose to train myself for the battle I'm up against. Mm-hmm. Upon that confession, I do what's necessary to present myself as a victorious soldier. Well, and I appreciate what you did there. When you talk about confession, two ideas come to mind. And one, you said it. You know, I, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We see that confession made throughout the New Testament, right, with Peter. Remember when Jesus said, Whom do men say that I am? And they said, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said, But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you remember Jesus said, Listen, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so there we have an example. Peter made that confession. What about the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, verse 37? He said, look, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe uh, with all your heart, you may. He said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. There we have that confession made as well. Also in Romans 10, 9 and 10, many in the religious world will take this passage and lift it and say, see, all you got to do is confess. Let me say this. Confession is absolutely necessary for salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10 brings that point out. If you confess with the mouth, believe in your heart, that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. For where the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, you know what's interesting about that is Romans 10 comes after Romans 6. <laughs> uh, these, are, these are Christians. These are individuals who had obeyed the gospel. They've been baptized into Christ. But no doubt, confession with the mouth is essential to salvation. Confessing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Confessing his deity. But you also mentioned that second part. That second definition is your lifestyle. That's Matthew 10, 32. Jesus said, Whosoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. And in verse 33 he says, Whoever denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father. So that is not a reference to that statement I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That is your lifestyle. I confess that I am a Christian by the way I live my life. But if I live my life in sin and I'm not living the way God would have me to, I am denying the Christ. I'm denying that. So it's very important to think about this word confession. The word confession means to speak the same thing or to be in total agreement. So when I confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, I am in total agreement with what the Bible teaches. But right. that, that definition also applies to my lifestyle. My life is in total agreement and in harmony with the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he is my Lord, and I'm going to obey whatever he says to do. If we're not in line with what the Word says or in agreement with what the Word says before baptism, then we're in trouble. See, there was a requirement that we be in line with what God said. That's right. You're, you're speaking the same thing. Yeah. yeah there's no doubt. You know, that's what separated him from his joy. Yeah, that's uh, right. You know, uh, immediately when he says, I confess, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, after he, you know, after he said that Jesus is the Son of God, they went down in the water, and then it says that the unit came up rejoicing. Yeah. And so, therefore, he had a reason to be excited. Why? Because something happened in that water. But it could not have happened had he not believed and confessed it. You're right. We had confession, that good confession that we make on a daily basis. Like I said, Mm -hmm. on a daily basis is that Jesus is the Son of God. 
And by yeah. making that confession, we're lining our lives, our lifestyle up with what God has told us to do. If you love me, keep my commandments. Sure. That's the great way we can confess him is by doing what he asks us to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Got to get enlisted. And once you're enlisted in the Lord's army, through obedience to the gospel, uh, it's time to fight. It's time to stand up for truth and to keep yes. pushing forward. No doubt about it. Great thoughts, brother. I appreciate it very much. As we come down to the final section, if you will, we, we kind of – there's two things I like to do toward the end. One is kind of maybe a summarizing statement or idea about what we've studied. And then I like to leave our audience with one practical tip that they can take with them. Kind of here's something you can take with you today and help you to weather the storm by fighting. But before we get to that, as we think about fighting the good fight of faith – you know, the Bible's not going to tell us to do something and not tell us uh, how to do it, right? Here's what you are to do. Here's your marching orders. But then we're not going to be left in the dark to say, well, I don't know how to do that. As we think about fighting the good fight of, of faith, there are four things that are needed. Four things that are needed to fight the good fight. Jonathan, I want to go through these with you. Number one is equipment. What equipment do we need to fight the good fight of faith? The Word of God, like I said, uh, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews four twelve. I yeah. mean, it tells you right there. Uh, it's sharper than any two edged sword, and it's the one thing that's going to be able to get us where we need to go. That's, that's right. the one weapon that. Uh, and, and you know, going back, I always, I always like to think about Ephesians six whenever I think about this too. You know, He Absolutely. gave us all this, all this armor. We don't need creed books. We don't need doctrines of man. We don't need emotional responses. What we need. Is the word of God which lives and abides forever. That that which is powerful, as you've mentioned several times, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. If we're going to be successful in fighting the good fight of faith, we have to have the right equipment. We have to have the word of God. But here's the second thing that's needed for the fight. Not only do we need the right equipment, but we need skill. We need skill. We need to know how to use our weapon. What good will it do to have this equipment but not know how to use it? So, Jonathan, what passages or what thoughts come to mind there? Thank you, Timothy 2.15. Study shall thyself approve unto God. Uh, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then when you talk about dividing the word of truth, you, uh, I'm always reminded of the Bereans. Uh, yeah, for sure. They searched the scriptures daily, whether what they were hearing was right. Yeah. Uh, that's what we need to do every day, searching the scriptures, diving in. Uh, pulling it out, deciphering it down, trying to figure out what it is. Uh, when when a soldier is enlisted in the military, they go through boot camp, and in boot camp they learn how to assemble and disassemble their weapon. Mm -hmm. They pull it all the way apart, but they the reason they pull it all the way apart, so first and foremost, they want to know, uh, it teaches them when they pull every piece apart what every single piece is influential for, yeah. what, that, what that piece is there for. So when they put it back together, they know that that piece has to go in there the right way so that this machine, this weapon will work properly. That's and right. so they learn how to disassemble and they decipher it down so they have a better appreciation of how everything works. We mm -hmm. decipher the word of God down so that we can have a better appreciation and a better understanding and a better knowledge of how we are to live our lives and project ourselves in everyday life. Man, well said. Absolutely. And I, I love that 
picture of piecing everything together because God's word is so perfect and, and, and everything is in harmony. Everything folds together perfectly. Whether you're talking about the scheme of redemption, whether you're talking about how God is always delivering his people, the teaching of scripture, the doctrine that we find in the new Testament, it's all, it's all perfect, but we have to have the skill to know how to use it. And so, like you said, study, constant study, diving into it. Some translations say handling a right, the word of truth, knowing how to properly use our weapon is so important. If we're going to be successful in fighting the good fight of faith, going back to the skill uh, that it takes, you know, going back to that analogy that I talked about with uh, the boot camp, you know, they, they teach them how to disassemble this weapon and put it back together blindfolded. They want you to be able to do it by just, they want you to know it so much that it's muscle memory. We should know the word of God in that same way. Yes, that it, you know, it, the first verse that you and I memorized at uh, preaching school, uh, Psalm 119, 11, 11, I work yep. in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, so we have this expectation of sure. putting the word in so that we'll be able to stand against the tricks that the devil throws at us Absolutely. because that opponent is very real and can be very powerful but we have something much more powerful and that is the word as our defense. Absolutely. And so but we've noticed that what is needed for the fight is we've got to have the right equipment and we've got to have the skill. We've got to know how to use our weapon. Here's the third thing. We need focus. We need focus if we're going to fight the good fight of faith. You know, I mentioned earlier with everything that's going on in our world right now and this year, it's kind of easy to lose focus. Uh, if we're not careful, we will. But, Jonathan, what passage, what thought comes to mind when you think about focus and how it relates to the good fight of faith? First Peter 5.8, when it tells us about the enemy, the one that we're up against, he tells us to be sober, be vigilant, that, that word meaning watchful. Yeah. Because we have an adversary at the devil, and he's coming at us not – not in a, in a gentle way, but as a roaring lion. That's right. Um, it stresses the importance of focus. If we're not focused out there in the safari where a roaring lion could be coming at us at any moment, we're going to be devoured. We're going to be destroyed if we're not ready when he comes. That Just like a person who's out there in the safari needs to be aware of his surroundings, knowing that there's a possibility that, this lion can attack them the same way we need to be ready in our walk, in our walk on a daily basis uh, when the devil tries to come against us. Absolutely. And that's, that's the exact passage I was thinking of too, is being sober, being vigilant. You know, Peter also talked about uh, girding up the low ends of your mind, that girding up, you think about in the first century, making sure everything's tight where it needs to be so you can move, so you can get to where you need to be. And Peter says, gird up the low ones of your mind and be sober. So from the chapter one all the way to the end of the book of First Peter, it's stressing our focus. And so when we fight the good fight of faith, we need to maintain our focus. And, and like you said, knowing that our enemy is around and he can pounce at any moment, yeah. we ought to be watchful. And we've got to maintain our focus because if you drop your guard for one moment, uh, it, can be, it can be deadly. It can be very, very deadly. So if we're going to fight this good fight of faith and be successful, we have to have the right equipment. We have to have skill in using what we have. 
They have to maintain focus. But then here's the fourth and final reason. We have to know our purpose. We have to know the why. Jonathan, why are we to fight the good fight of faith? Uh, be thou faithful unto death, and you will receive a crown of life, Revelation 2.10. That's uh, it. If, if we're going to, you know, the, the whole purpose in remaining steadfast and unmovable, the whole purpose in striving and fighting the fight that we have before us is because uh, there's a crown. And there's a crown that you and I are promised if we endure. First uh, Timothy 4 and verse 7, the wording there, he says, I fought a good fight, I finished the course, and I kept the faith. I love the wording right there because it mentions, you know, usually you would think that he would say, I finished the course last. Mm-hmm. But no, he could not finish the course without having kept the faith that's how we finish you know he fights that good fight and he finishes by keeping the faith so uh, uh, of utmost importance we need to remember the reason we're keeping this faith is because we have a, a promise of a crown that we're working for we have a promise of eternal life uh through christ that we've been given and that's why we strive because we want to be with the lord we strive because one day we want to be able to, you know, have that eternal rest and peace. And the, we talked about at the beginning of this, how the world is so wicked and the world is so upside down right now. Uh, there are times and my wife will tell you, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, but I, I get a little emotional at times just sitting while I read the Bible and, I'll meditate upon the the word, but while also thinking about the state of this world, and yeah. it just makes me homesick. It makes me want to go and be with the Lord. That's right. Um, That's right. And I, I can't wait, you know, to be able to be with Him because if I do what I what is necessary now, and I keep pushing, man, I have a promise that is the this the greatest promise, and that is that I'll be with my Lord and Savior. That's right. Forever. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Well said. And that's that's our why. That's our purpose. Ultimately, it's, it's to go to heaven. It's to be pleasing to God, to bring glory to him, and to go to heaven. That's why we fight the good fight of faith. And that's what can help us to weather the storms of life, knowing the end result of this fight, if we will stay faithful to God, what he has in store for us. Jonathan, as we close out this episode, I want to leave our audience with one practical tip, one practical takeaway, something that they can take with them from this episode that kind of summarizes everything that will hopefully help them to weather the storm. I want to turn things over to you and let you start. What would be your your one takeaway? Well, my one takeaway would be found in the one word that we've pretty much pulled apart this whole uh, podcast, and that is fight. Don't give up. Um, And when things get hard, look to the word for encouragement. Um, It's it's often – a reward for me when I when I get discouraged to just go back to God's word and as you look through even looking through the Old Testament how God has taken care of man since the very beginning and that there's always been this plan for God to be with man and we see that through the uh, through the New Testament with his with Jesus sacrifice making it possible that all could can be with him don't give up Go back to the word, strive, fight.
That's it. And, and, and remembering all that goes with that, uh, the end result of that fight is what's so important. My one practical takeaway is not original with me. In fact, it came from the inspired Apostle Paul. And I'd like to read for our audience Romans 8, beginning in verse 31, going through the end of the chapter. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To our listeners, whatever storm you're facing, if the Lord is on your side, you will be victorious. Just don't give up the fight. Jonathan, I thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. I can't tell you enough how thankful I am for you. Uh, it's amazing that this has come full circle for us uh, to be able to, to do this today. Hopefully we can do this again in the future. Uh, but thank you for being with me. Thank you for the time you spent, the study you put into it. And, and hopefully we've helped somebody today weather the storm. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm thankful for all that you do, brother. Thank Every you. bit of it. Thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, again, we thank you for listening, and we hope that this episode in some way will help you to weather the storm. Thank you so much, and may God bless you.